All right, our passage comes from Psalm 100, which is on page 500 of the Pew Bible in front of you. Hear now God's word. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. This is the word of the Lord. Will you bow with me as we pray? Dear Lord God, I thank you so much for today. I thank you that you are the one that holds us fast as an anchor, that as life tosses and turns around us, that as the turbulence and and wars and and everything that goes on around us, um, whether personally in our lives or in our nation or... um, in the world around us, Father, that uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of despair, but we have good news, and that good news has a name, and that name is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, our Savior. And Father, we thank you for that. We thank you for that good news. We thank you for that that holds us together, Father. We thank you for your cross. We thank you for the resurrection. We thank you that you have ascended and that you are interceding for us, Father. Lord God, we thank you that your blood is enough, Father, that even though I am a sinner, that we are sinners before you, before holy God, that you love us and that you see your Son in us, Father. So Lord God, we pray as as Brant comes to bring the word of God to us, that you would be with him, that you would anoint him with your spirit that you would speak through him, that these would not be the words of a man, that these are the words of the living and holy God. Father, we thank you that we can come into your presence, that you welcome us, Father, and that you've welcomed us to come here. That, Lord, I don't I don't have to put on a suit and tie, that, that I don't have to wash myself clean, but that, Lord God, that you did that, and, Father, you welcome us to come in, and that you change us that you've given us a new nature, that you've given us a new spirit, Father, that you've given us a name, a name in your kingdom, Father, that we are sons and daughters. So, Lord God, again, I thank you for this day. I thank you for Brant, and I pray that you would be with him now as he speaks to us, and that you would be honored and glorified. It's in your name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. If I was to get up here this morning and say, worship me, come make a joyful noise to me, come into my presence with singing and praise, how would you respond? Well, rightfully so, you'd probably be deeply concerned, angry, perhaps you would take me aside after this and call me to repentance, I hope you would, (laughs) point me to the gospel. Maybe you would burst out laughing because you know me and my sin and know that I'm far from deserving of any sort of praise. But if we are honest with ourselves, how often do we internalize that same desire to be worshipped by others? We might think to our spouses, she should be worshipping me. Doesn't she know what she's got? 
or of our friends and co-workers. I do so much for them, and they better do something for me. Though not as blatant as my statement of being up here and proclaiming that, it's just as sinister, and it stems from the same heart that's cursed by sin. We desire our own glory. So fundamentally, we are all worshipers. We worship, and we do what we love, and we do the things we most desire. We are created for worship. So a question then arises, what are we worshiping, and what are we loving? And that question leads to a more, an even more piercing question. Since we are created for worship, what or whom is worthy of all worship? Well, our text, Psalm 100, is a psalm that is written for giving thanks and worship, and but to whom and why, and who we are to worship and how we are to worship is answered in verse 1. Let's look there. Here, God's word commands the reader to make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. So right out of the gate, we are presented with the command to make. What we are reading today is God's word. We learned in the Sola series a few weeks ago from 2 Timothy 3.16 that all scripture is breathed out by God. So every letter, every jot, and every tittle of this Bible is expired from the very mouth of God Almighty. So this is his perfect, inerrant, infallible, and sufficient word. And it's totally authoritative because it has come from his very lips. So the creator himself is commanding all of creation to produce, to create, and to exert their given energy in worship to him. The creator is commanding the creature to worship him with the very breath that he gave them. That the creature's vocal cords, those created organs, would vibrate and redound praise back to him. We are created in the imago dei, that is the image of God. Genesis 1, 26-28 tells us that all of mankind is made in his image. And here in Psalm 100, God is commanding all of creation to make. All of creation is commanded to share in the joy of their creator God and reflect him and make as he did, specifically a joyful noise to him. So you may be asking yourself this question this morning. Why joyful and why to God? Maybe you find God repulsive and not worthy of any of your praise. To this I would respond. We should offer joyful praise to God simply because he is worthy. He is perfectly good. God also has no needs at all, not even our praises. Yet he desires our praises. So this is an important distinction. Though God is all-sufficient and needing of nothing, that does not negate his desire for our praises. It's not as if God is not complete without our praises. God is perfectly supreme and good, and because God is also love, the most loving thing that he can do for us is give us himself. And he desires to demonstrate his love to us, and this is most gloriously displayed in the cross of Jesus Christ. So the person who does not possess a heart of flesh, but of stone, 
the person that is not born of the Spirit, that person cannot offer a joyful noise to the Lord. That person does not see the beauty of God's love because he cannot. He rejects it. Romans 8.8 tells us that those who are in the flesh cannot please God. In fact, God's word says this in Ephesians 2 verse 1, that those who are not born again by the Spirit are dead in their trespasses and sins. I don't know about you, but a dead person can't see. They can't respond. God's word even says that they are enemies of him in Romans 5 verse 10. So a person does not produce a joyful noise to their enemy. No, an enemy tries to kill their enemy. And I submit to you that is precisely what everyone who is not born again seeks to do and what we have done. They take the very breath that the Lord has given them and they exercise the energy that he has graciously given them and instead of producing a joyful noise to him, they curse his name and rage against his authority. They seek to murderously remove the Lord himself off of his throne, take his scepter and rule their own lives the way they want. This is what enemies do. That is the sin of Adam and Eve and that is our sin today. We want to be God. We want to be worshipped and not him. But such were some of us. We used to be haters of God. Yet by God's lavish and merciful grace, we were washed, we were sanctified, and we were justified, declared righteous in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. 1 Corinthians six eleven. God, in his sovereign grace, took out our dead, unresponsive hearts of stone and gave us hearts of flesh. God says of us in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And all of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. He's bringing us back to himself. That is the greatest good. So can you say this morning with the psalmist, make a joyful noise to the Lord? Maybe you can't, but you can, and how you might ask. It's only through God's grace. It's only through God's grace, through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. My friend, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. So listen to what the Lord has done. God is perfect. And holy, and he created man so that man would glorify him and enjoy him forever, singing praises back to him. Yet, man rebelled against him, and we have all done this. And because God is perfectly just, he must punish sin. He would be unjust not to. Yet, in his great love, he sent his own son, Jesus, truly God and truly man, to live a perfect and sinless life for us and to die on a cross bearing the guilt and condemnation of the sin of all who would ever believe on him. So Jesus died taking the wrath of God for our sins and rose from the grave, defeating death and sin. And God commands men everywhere now to turn from their sin and place their faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ alone for salvation. And he promises salvation to them. Not just forgiveness, but eternal life and peace with God forever, what we were created for. Those who are in Christ, to all who would place their faith in him, they are born again. They have the spirit of God in them. 
and are no longer enemies of God. Romans 8, 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And Romans 5, 1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, declared righteous, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have now the spirit within us that cries, Abba, Father, and no longer curses his name. The curse of sin is done away with, and we, with joyful hearts, can sing praises to him who has created us. We are now adopted children of God, sons and daughters of the King, and we offer up acceptable praise to God through the shed blood of Christ alone. So can you say this morning with David in Psalm 34, O taste and see that the Lord is good. My friend, has God opened your eyes to see the beauty of Christ, to see your need of him? God has made provision for you this morning through the shed blood of his own son. And if you are here this morning and you have questions about Jesus and salvation, let me say that we are glad you're here this morning and that you're here with us at FCF. And we would love to meet with you anytime or talk about this with you. So please don't leave this morning without speaking to someone here about Jesus. Let's continue looking at our passage. We are admonished in verse 2 to serve the Lord with gladness. Another command, serve with gladness the Lord. We are called to produce a joyful noise and adoration directed towards Yahweh, the Lord. Now we are commanded here this morning to serve with gladness Him. We are not to produce a drudging sound of praise to Him, nor are we to reluctantly offer our service to Him. We are to serve with a glad heart. So Christian, you are called to service. The greatest commandment, Jesus says, is this, in Matthew twenty-two, thirty-six through 40 To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbors as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and prophets. So Jesus is in effect saying this, Your life is not your own, and it is not meant to serve yourself. But it is to love God and to love your neighbor. And Jesus even says this of himself in Mark 10:45, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. So, how may we serve the Lord with gladness? Jesus answers this in John 15:12, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. And the Apostle John says this in 1 John 4.10. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he has loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So by recognizing the amazing love of God for us, through meditating upon his grace for us that we do not deserve, we are moved to love others, believers and unbelievers alike. And when we love our brothers and sisters in Christ, we are nourishing and caring for the body of Christ. And when we love our unbelieving friend and neighbor, we are fulfilling Jesus' commandment and example to share with them the only and greatest thing in all of the universe to share with them, like we said earlier, is God. God himself in the gospel. Still in verse 2, we are given another command to come. 
and come into his presence with singing. So dear Christian, the Lord our God desires his children to come into his presence with clean hands and a pure heart with joy unto him. Yet we see in scripture that those who approach the Lord wrongly, such as Aaron, the priest's son in Leviticus 10, they were consumed by fire from the Lord. And that should lead us to ask with King David in Psalm 15, who shall dwell on your holy hill? Who can possibly stand before Yahweh and live? Well, the answer is given in that same passage. He who walks blamelessly and is right. And we all know, and we need to know, and be reminded that there's only been one who's ever done this. Only one who can stand before the face of a holy and righteous God, Jesus, the Son of God. And praise God in his great love. He sent his Son to live that perfect sinless life in our behalf for us. And now because of Jesus' perfect life, his death, and his resurrection, on our behalf, we can boldly come into the presence of the Lord God Almighty, singing praises to him, and are now able to delight ourselves in him. We are to sing praises unto the Lord, and we are to sing of the glories of our God and King. And what glories there are in Jesus, he is the image of the invisible God. In him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. All things hold together in him. Through Jesus and for Jesus were all things created. And he is the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, the great I Am, and the bread of life. And we are to sing of the triumphs of his grace, that he who knew no sin was made sin on our behalf so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That he was pierced for our transgressions, that he was crushed for our iniquities, that he was raised from the dead, that he delivers us from the wrath to come, and that he is seated at the right hand of God now, and he's ruling and reigning. So what what a song that we have to sing, and what a message of good news to sing. I pray that the word of Christ may dwell richly in us all here at FCF, that we would be a people teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns, spiritual songs with thankfulness, in our hearts to God. What a rich provision and privilege we have to come into his presence with singing. And take heart, believer. Know that these commands that to make and to serve and to come into his presence, it is the precious blood of Jesus that atones for all of our sins and atones for all of our offerings to the Lord God Almighty. You are free in Jesus. For freedom, Christ has set you free. And we can never give an offering or work pleasing to God in our own sinful flesh before him. But Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. And you are now free from the curse if you are in Christ. So believer, take heart. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. It's Hebrews 10, 12-14. Listen to what Jesus declared on the cross as his blood atoned for our sins completely. It is finished. It's done. The veil is torn top to bottom, total access to God for all those who are in Christ. All of our offerings, all of our prayers, and our service to the Lord is made perfect by the shed blood of his Son. 
all the guilt and all the condemnation of our sins washed away. Though our sins be as scarlet, the Lord has made them white as snow. He removes them from us as far as the east is from the west. And we are those who have washed our robes white in the blood of the Lamb. And we are forgiven and we are free and we are in Christ. So what confidence we have now to enter into the Holy of Holies. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Finally, look with me at verse 3. It says this. To know, to know that Yahweh, the Lord, He is God. And that it is He who made us and we are His. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. So the psalmist is here commanding Israel to reckon and to know that Yahweh, He who has covenanted with them, is God Almighty. Truth matters. And this objective reality smashed to smithereens the pagan worldview of the Israelites' time, as it should ours. If Yahweh is God, then that means we are not. And we are not our own, and we are bought with the price, and we are owing to him. Yahweh, he who revealed himself to Moses in the burning bush in Exodus 3.14, the great I am, the I am who I am, the God of Abraham, he is God Almighty and we aren't. But he is not the God only of the Israelites. He's the God of the Gentiles as well. In Genesis chapter 12 verse 3, Yahweh makes a covenant with Abraham saying, in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Paul in the New Testament in Galatians chapter 3 verses 7 through 9 demonstrate that this promise to Abraham is fulfilled through all those who would believe in the gospel. Paul says this, Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify or count righteous the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, And you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. So what does all this mean? Well, it means that the promise of eternal life is for all who believe in the gospel and place their faith in Jesus. And this is demonstrated throughout all of scripture. We have Rahab, the prostitute, fearing God, hid the Israelite spies and was spared from the destruction of Jericho for her faith. And she was adopted into the people of God. The Gibeonites also feared God and by faith became members of him as well. Jesus, in the New Testament, in Luke 2.32, is said, is the light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And in Acts 28.28, fulfilling Isaiah 6, verses 9 and 10, says that salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. And it ultimately culminates in Revelation 5, verse 9, where Jesus is worshipped as the elders sing, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for, for God from every tribe, language, and people, and nation. So believer, this psalm is for us and this command is for us today. You are to know that Yahweh is God and that he is your God and that he is our creator. And not only that, but that he possesses you uniquely. 
And I say uniquely for this reason, because Yahweh created all things, all things belong to him. This includes believers and unbelievers alike. But believers are his uniquely, unlike anything or anyone else in all of creation. How can I say that? Well, turn with me to the book of John chapter 10. Let's look there. John chapter 10. So we have here that Jesus is speaking to his disciples and the Jews. And he declares himself to be the good shepherd, unlike the bad shepherds of Israel that we've seen in Ezekiel, the Pharisees. Jesus says this in verse 14. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And later, jump ahead to verse 25, speaking to the Jews, he says this to them. But you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice and I know them. And they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. So if you are here this morning, and you are repenting of sin and trusting in Jesus alone for your salvation, take heart. Jesus is speaking here of you. He is claiming this, that he is your good shepherd, and that you are his. You are his sheep. And nothing will snatch you out of his hand. He has given you eternal life and you will never perish. And we can say with the psalmist, we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. And if you are here this morning and you recognize that you are not one of his, take heart as well. The promise of the gospel is for you as well. That if you will turn from your sins and place your faith in Jesus alone for salvation, or as Jesus puts it in John chapter 10 verse 9, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. You will be saved and that promise is yours this morning. So finally, in closing, believer, the believer walking through trials and sufferings, rejoice knowing that Yahweh is your shepherd and that it is he who guides you into the deep and dark valleys. And it is he who who leads you beside still waters. It is the Lord who says in Isaiah 43 that when you pass through the waters, he will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. And when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned and the flame shall not consume you. He says this, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. So believer, he is guiding you always for your good, and for his glory. And you can claim with the psalmist here, I am his, I am a sheep of his pasture. No matter what pasture he leads you in, rejoice. You are his and he loves you. He's conforming you to his image. So take heart. You are just a weak sheep. We can't do anything. We can't bring anything into existence. Know that our shepherd is Yahweh, Jesus Christ, the creator of all things, the good shepherd, and he has laid down his life for you. 
the spotless Lamb of God who takes away all your sins. He's both shepherd and the perfect sacrifice. It is he who keeps you. It is he who puts a new song into your mouth. You are not your own. You are bought with the price. His precious blood was spilt for you and you are his. So let's pray together. Our Father, we come before you in the name of your Son and we plead his blood alone. We have no merit in and of ourselves. We thank you that you have given us the gospel, the gospel that frees us from the treadmill of works and performance, that you freed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, that your son became a curse for us and hung on a tree and died. Thank you that for freedom, Christ has set us free and that we are to no longer be in bondage to a yoke of slavery. Thank you that the blood of Jesus perfects us for all time, those who are being sanctified. That we have no need of another sacrifice. We are thankful that our tears cannot atone for our sins, that our works cannot. It is Christ's blood alone, and we plead that. And so far, we see that you are the greatest good And we are thankful that you have revealed yourself to us in your word and that you've demonstrated your love in the glorious cross of Christ. Thank you, Lord, for the redemption that we have in Jesus. And I pray this in his name. Amen. Well, brothers and sisters, let's stand and sing together a response.